0: It's a radical life with Rick and Robin down on the farm. Say, today, what I'd like to talk about, and to hopefully inspire a few out there that are tuning into our radical life support podcasts this summer, we just passed the halfway point of the year. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, we you did. See that? We did. Yeah. We just passed the halfway. So, for most, you know, right now would be kind of considered summer's half over. Oh,
1: mm, yes.
0: Yeah. For those who have short summers, that really sucks.
1: Yeah, this whole situation this year just made the summer (laughs) just not seem like normal.
0: And then during hot summer, we get to come up here to beautiful Minnesota. Yes. Where we have spent time uh, this year in Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. and Illinois. And Illinois. So we've kind of been everywhere, man, when it comes to the Midwest. We have not been in the Dakotas, though, for, wow, at least five years. Nebraska. It's been about six years.
1: We need to hear from our uh, teen rescue folks in
0: the Dakotas. Right. Where are you? And
1: hey out there. Hey,
0: if you're uh, in North Dakota and you're listening to uh, Radical Life, send us a note via...
1: Yes, we'd like to hear from you.
0: Email? Is that all? Email at
1: Mo at gmail.com. And that's Rick and Robin Moe g-m- g- g- Mo all spelled out.
0: Spelled out. No, no a- n- d- signs d- yeah. like an and sign. It's just no. Rick and... Robin, Robin, A-N-D, Robin.
1: Robin with an I, M-O-E,
0: at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Today what I'd like to do is jump right into the book of Nehemiah and again talk about the vision that was given to Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. I'd like to talk about a couple different aspects of it though today. For those of you who are wondering what vision is, I mean, duh, it's something that you see. You know, you use your eyes to see something. Yeah, your mind is very much a a part of it. But vision that that I want to talk about is one that if you did not have eyes, you could still see. Mm -hmm. You could still have vision. Uh, Vision is almost interchangeable, but not entirely, with another word called a dream. Mm -hmm. If somebody has a dream, they're seeing something, they're desiring something that maybe no one else... It is envisioning that no one else can see but them. That's one of the things I want to get into today as we look at the book of Nehemiah again. And Nehemiah, who was cupbearer, he was a very, very high assistant to the king. And just what happens to people when they have a vision. And again, the kind of vision I'm not talking about, it's not the type of vision Where you kind of go into this almost a different world, you know, in a sense, mentally. Like somebody says, I I saw a vision. That's not the kind of vision we're talking about.
1: So you're not talking about like a supernatural vision.
0: Again, I know where you're going with that when you say supernatural. No, but I think a vision that someone has, a vision, a dream for something. Thomas Edison, he envisioned Mm -hmm. that one day man could walk into a room, flip a switch, and on comes a light. Most people on the planet, the furthest their brain would go would be to somehow be able to light a fire. But this is the other one. This is the vision I'm talking about, that you have a thought that begins to become an action. Thoughts that turn into actions, and you begin to carry out your vision. You begin to share it with other people. Nehemiah, his brother came to him in the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah, and he shares with his brother, Nehemiah that the gates of the city and the walls of Jerusalem are in disrepair. The city has no safety. And this causes Nehemiah to go into a time of prayer, fasting. It causes his heart to become very heavy, to the point where he begins to think, what could I do to see those walls and those gates rebuilt so that the people would be safe? So that his homeland would not have to live in constant danger. The threats of their life being taken out by an enemy.
1: So can I interject here and say that a lot of times visions and dreams do bring about some kind of emotion within inside of you.
0: You bet they do. They're probably one of the most energizing emotions there is. It ignites a fire.
1: Or you could be so sorrowful as Nehemiah. Yes. S- start with sorrow. Yep. That it was would it,
0: saddened
1: yeah it started with that and it just like something had to be done
0: well here in the um, in the third verse of Nehemiah pardon me the fourth verse it says so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, wept. yes and mourned for many days mm-hmm. and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven and I said I pray Lord God of heaven oh great and awesome God you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before now, night and day, before you now, night and day, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel. I mean, he went into some depth here. He didn't just gloss over it and he didn't come to God saying, God, I just, I got a vision here. I just got to, I see something I want to go do. Please let me go do it. Right. He really went deep and felt kind of where the children of Israel were at at the time. Mm-hmm. And it caused him deep sorrow. It caused him probably pain, yeah. pain down in his belly. And yet he still had to carry out his job. Oh. He just couldn't put in for a vacation and go, hey, I'm checking out while well, yeah. I'm you know, going through this. He kept working. He kept doing his job. And one day, the king saw it in his eyes. He saw something that didn't look right. Didn't, he looked sick in his eyes right. over what was going on and what he was His heart was heavy. His and heart was heavy. And, and this was a dangerous place to be. And I think people who encounter a place like this in their life where they have a vision for something— Something that takes them to that deep emotional place when they're in prayer and travail and they've really invested themselves into this thing that has impacted their heart. I think what happens is you put yourself at risk. And in Nehemiah's situation, he put himself at risk of being killed. The king could have just had him outed just like that. You don't come before the king looking sick.
1: But he had a good relationship with the king. He had a relationship with the king. With
0: trusted the king. him. He trusted him. Why even ask was, a servant
1: why they're feeling a ser- The king yeah. didn't
0: have to say a thing other than just off with his head.
1: But he cared enough about cared. him to so he had that notice it and ask about it.
0: Right. He had that relationship going with the king. Again, a good reminder for us, mm-hmm. when we think about the king, you know, we don't have a king of our nation. We have the king of kings. We have the lord of lords. We have... Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ himself, God come down to earth as a man. We have God, is he is our king. He is the king of the universe. And what better reminder than going to the Nehemiah and seeing the kind of relationship Nehemiah had with his king is the kind of relationship we should have with our king, the one that we are serving, the one that we are, in a sense, working for.
1: And how much better is our king God, our father even, a father would notice that his child... Yes. How they are and that yes. their demeanor, because um, he pays attention to that. And God would do that even more than some kind of earthly relationship you might have.
0: That's exactly right. So here we are. Nehemiah has this vision now that's beginning to burn down inside of him. And when people get a vision for something, and I mean... <laughs> It doesn't have to be the Thomas Edison, right. You know, Henry Ford, you know, I got this dream of everybody being able to afford a car. It doesn't have to be so grandiose. It may be something very super simple and practical, and, and it may be short-lived, but yet it's a vision. It's something you see that nobody else is seeing. You may be the only one that you have to get on board to, to be able to carry out your vision, mm-hmm. make your plan, set your course, and then
1: go for it. I was just thinking of even little children. If you have children, little children can have visions too. I saw something on the news where a child wanted to hand out candy bars to homeless people on the street. Mm -hmm. He had a little vision and his parents, of course, helped him carry Mm -hmm. that out. And I think that's a very healthy, good thing to do to encourage your children if they have any kind of vision like that to try to Show them that it can be yep. done in a small measure.
0: Well, you, again, with little children, you know, with, with a child, with a young person, adults out there that are listening, listen. Grandparents. Grandparents, listen. When a child gets a vision, when a child gets an idea, be there to encourage them. Right. Get- and, you know, be there to support them. You know, see what your part in it might be. It just might be, go for it. I'll never forget going to a conference and, where there was a a gentleman speaking at the conference that was very well-known throughout the country and around the world. And uh, here he was speaking at a very small conference. This was not 10,000 of people. This was about 100 of us in attendance. And there was this well-known national speaker. And at the end of his three days of speaking, he left time at the very end for people to come up just ask questions mm-hmm. or to uh, just ask for prayer. Mm-hmm. He just he just wanted to be available. Nice. And I'll never forget how I sat there and I waited my turn. I just wanted to get a personal word from this person. So I kind of sat there in the uh, small little conference room that we were in. And I waited. I think I brought up the, the end of the line. I, I'm pretty sure that I, I waited till I was the last person. And I walked up there and he was exhausted. Yeah. I could just see it. He was spent. And so that moment of, you know, I was 25 years old and, and I knew at that moment I was going to get very little of him. Mm. But yet I, I did not get discouraged. Right. Uh, I, I didn't turn and walk away and go, you know, I, you know he's, he's tired. Right. I just, I'll let him be. I don't really need a word. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget walking up to him and Mr. David Wilkerson that looked at same. me <laughs> and said, he didn't ask me a question. He just looked at me and all... David Wilkerson said to me was, "Go for it, son." Nice. <laughs> I mean, I felt like that was that was that Rocky moment.
1: Yes, how about
0: that? I felt like it was a Rocky moment. I mean, Rocky Balboa, Balboa moment when when uh, you know Adrian says to Rocky, "Win,
1: <laughs>
0: win, Rocky." That's what it felt like. If he'd have said any more. You didn't need it I wouldn't. Anymore. I didn't need it anymore. No,
1: that was it. Go for go it, for son. It. And go for your vision. What, I'll tell what, you
0: what. I hadn't yet spoken in high school. I've been working with young people now for wow. about five, six years. Yeah. Getting, you know, mostly going out into the parking lots, the Burger Kings, going out to the roller skating rinks, just going to where the kids are at. Talking with kids, doing a little bit of speaking, you know, at retreats and rallies and some churches, basically being a youth pastor, a youth evangelist. Mm-hmm. And I had something brewing. I had something brewing down inside of me. Right. The Lord had given me these words because I had been asking Him, where do I need to go? Mm-hmm. Where should I be? And when you look at evangelism, when you look at outreach, when you look at impacting a group of people, a lot of times we're given the analogy of fishing. You're to be fishers of Uh, mm -hmm. men. Well, I asked the the Lord one day, where do I need to go? And he just said to me simply, I heard these words. Well, you go to the schools. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Where are the fish? Mm
1: -hmm. They're
0: in schools. I mean, you can go out and you can look for that loner fish. You can go pop fish for the hot one on the top of the uh, the push-up out there in the middle of the lake. If you're going to go out and evangelize, look for the groups, the mass of people. And I just simply heard the Lord say, go to the schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do you do that? I had been in and out of a few schools where, you know, I would go in and meet with a student at the cafeteria, maybe have lunch with them. I'd even gone to a couple classrooms and spoke in some classrooms in some, some schools. But, you know, nothing that led to anything more. I'd also been kicked out of a school. I had a principal who found out I was walking the hallways of the schools, talking with the young people, had actually been given permission to be in that school by the vice principal because he had heard that I worked with young people and that could be an encouragement. That vice principal had me in his office, gave me a carte blanche pass to come whenever I wanted, just to to walk the halls, encourage the kids, have lunch in the cafeteria, even told me that when I came that I could park in the staff parking lot didn't have to park out there way out. He says, you just come on in. There's plenty of parking spots. Just wherever it says staff, you feel free. Come on in. He'd even give me permission to do all that. Well, I was on top of the world when it came to doing my work. I'm thinking, "Wow, God has really opened the door and paved the way. This can't get any better than this. And then the next time I go to the school, I'm walking the hallways doing just what I was given permission to do. I run into a young lady who's on staff at the school. I specifically went that day to meet with her. She was the counselor. And I met this young lady. I introduced myself. She said, yes, the vice principal told me about you. He says, great to meet you. So we slipped into her office and began to just chat. And while in her office, somebody comes over the intercom asking this counselor if she had seen Rick Moe. I'm over, going. over the
1: intercom? Over the intercom. Over the whole school?
0: Well, no, not the whole school, but oh. just the intercom into her office.
1: Oh, into her office. Your office asking okay. if
0: I... And she said, well, yes, I'm just standing here talking with him right now. And she said, would you please ask him to come to the office, please?
1: Okay. So
0: I'm thinking, all right, how exciting. I'm going to need to go back and meet with the vice principal again. And what more great thing is he offering me a job? <laughs> I mean, seriously, in my mind, I'm thinking... Cool. cool. I'm just, I mean, I'm ramped up, fired up. I'm 20 years old. I couldn't be more on top of the world. My vision was for reaching young people was coming true. I go to the office, and I don't go into the vice principal's office. I go into the principal's office. Well, that's got to make you feel even better. For a split second, it really did. (laughs) Until he said to me, what are you doing in my school? Oh, my. And it didn't have the tone that I was hoping for. He said, well, I'm just, uh, you know, hanging out and talking with young people. And, uh, you know, I really have a heart for kids and helping kids, especially ones that, that, you know, that are going through some tough times. You know, they might be having some problems with drugs, alcohol, peer pressure and those kind of things. And he says, we don't have any of those problems here. Really? Right. We have none of those issues here in our school. I don't know how you think you can just walk around and do this. I said, well, I, I was given permission by your vice principal. So I kind of ratted the guy out. Yeah, of I probably got him in trouble. Yeah. That is what happened to me. And so he asked me how I thought I could be in there. And I told him how I thought I could be in there. I'd been given the pass. Right. I'd, he says, well, I don't care what you've been given. I just want you out of my school. I don't want to see you again. We don't have any of those problems here that you're talking about. So have a good day.
1: Sayonara. Sayonara. Sorry. Sayonara. So sorry for those kids.
0: It wasn't more a few months later that this principal was on the news. Mm. Now, part of me went, you know, kind of a little happy dance. Yeah. Part of me went, yeah, I probably shouldn't be so happy. He was held at gunpoint by a student. Ooh. Yeah, who had been kind of tripping out, I think, on some drugs. Mm. Came in, held a gun to the the principal, uh, fled the situation, stole a car out in the parking lot, and went through uh, about a 30-mile chase. With the police where they were, where he was abducted in the middle of a cornfield, south of town, about 30 miles, and that was, you know, that made the that made the news. And, uh, and I saw that, and I, I thought, and all I could think to myself, was well, at least that school didn't have any problems with anything, and right, you know. But that's for me. I had a vision. I had a vision. I had this idea. I had this thought. I had this plan, and I was executing it. And then what happened? I was told in no uncertain terms. To get out.
1: So you just can't get discouraged. No. That didn't stop
0: you from going
1: and reaching out to others. He did say
0: these words to me, though, that I left with. You know, you you always got to look for the pony in the pile. (laughs) Right. The pony in the pile was, you can do anything you want across the street. I just don't want you here in my school. Oh, so that was direction. I (laughs) I took that as a word, and so I did. I went across the street to Augsburg Park, across from Richfield High School, and that's where I spent time. I brought young people, groups of young people, to Augsburg Park, where we'd go and we would share Jesus with the young people. We'd go across the street from Augsburg Park to the Seven Eleven, and we would hang out there and talk with young people.
1: Nice.
0: It was, yeah, it was a very cool thing. I, as I even share this story, I, I see in my mind, I see the faces
1: mm-hmm. of
0: kids that we talked to, and many of which started coming to our Tuesday night Bible study.
1: Oh, we want to hear from those kids. We'd love to. Yeah. Man,
0: would it be good. That was 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was 40 years ago now, this coming fall, that all that happened that I just told wow. you about. In that high school, in that park, at that 7-Eleven. The Burger King, the roller skating rink, the parking lot. That's where that all well, happened. Well,
1: thank good there was no COVID to back then <laughs> during that time.
0: <laughs> you know.
1: Just wanting to reach out to kids now. Um man. Different ways to have to do it, I guess. Yeah, you just got to look for some. You, know,
0: you can't let anything stop you. No, You're, let you can't get let new vision. Stop you. But that's vision. I had a vision for reaching young people.
1: Yes.
0: I, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go from one day to the next. There were parents that saw what I was doing and they helped enable the vision. One night I, I was uh, called in by a certain family that I had met during that spring of 1980. Their children had been inspired and touched by the ministry of ours and they just wanted to be a part they wanted to know how we could be encouraged they they just said you know surely you have to have some financial needs and Mm -hmm. yeah sure yeah we pay bills just like anybody else and so (laughs) they gathered in my mind as I remember it from 40 years ago they gathered together seven families uh, sets of parents whose children uh, had been coming to our Tuesday night Bible study and been going out on the outreaches and the weekends where these parents could get together and they could just tell stories of the wonderful change that they had seen in their children's lives and, and the things that they've been hearing their children say that just so touched their hearts. Right. And I'll never forget. They just wanted to help and encourage us. And at the end of the evening, the guy that had called the meeting, he said, well, I'm going to pass the hat around. Mm-hmm. And what I'd like to do is ask each one of you to take an envelope that I've got here and give you, I gave them all an envelope. And he said, I'd like you to take and write down on a piece of paper and put it inside the envelope. Just put down in there maybe something that, that you could share with, with Rick in his mm-hmm. ministry. And, and it was really cool to watch people put notes of encouragement, put money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are even people who filled out what, what I would see now as a pledge card. Right. They filled out a pledge card that they would give a certain amount per month towards us. In order that we could just keep doing what we're doing. Right. They did not want to see us go away. No. They wanted that thing to keep happening. So, again, what? very encouraging to our vision. These were not people we were close to. These were not family. Some I had met for the first time that night. Some that I'd only known for a handful of months. But their kids, they saw... What they was, saw a change in their kids' yeah. lives. that was undeniable. Right.
1: They saw
0: Jesus. They saw Jesus. So that is, uh, you know, an aspect of when you have a vision, look for God to bring into your life the encouragers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Look for him; he'll bring them into your life. I believe the encouragers will be there. What else will also be there? As I read through the book of Nehemiah, what also surfaces, and here's something that I would like people to go away with today: is do not be alarmed, do not be shaken when discouragement comes also, discouragement in the form of people. Mm -hmm. Nehemiah had the word of what was happening in Jerusalem brought to him initially by his brother. In my recollection, a brother that he never does see again, or if he does, we don't hear about him. If I am incorrect in this, and my memory serves me well, right, he never surfaces again. It wasn't like he was there to to back him up. And Nehemiah could have very easily said, where's my brother in all this? The guy that shared the words with me of the city that caused my heart to become so saddened into a place where I was driven to prayer and fasting. Where is this guy? But what we do know is this. As time went on, there was two people that had the opportunity to join Nehemiah in the work. It was Sanballat and Tobiah. They had the opportunity to join in the work, but they didn't. Instead, they became discouragers. Well, one of them one day just said, what is this that you're doing, Nehemiah? I mean, we're looking at this wall that you're building and it looks as if a fox, if it were to jump up on the wall, it would just crush the wall. He was making fun of it. Yeah. Really, what was happening was they were just being discouragers. They were not participating in the rebuilding of the wall. So something that people of vision, people who have ideas, who are moving forward with a plan that they've come up with, don't be surprised if those closest to you, those who could help, don't. For some reason, they feel their lot in life is to encourage you by discouraging you.
1: Well, and it doesn't mean if the ones closest to you don't see it or support you, that it isn't
0: real. Right. It is still as real as real can be. So if you have a vision for something, keep that thing real. Keep stirring the embers. We have a lot of fires out here at the farm. One of the things that I notice is after a fire, you wake up in the morning, you look out there, and there's this pile of white, cold-looking as can be. Ash. Ash. But if you were to stick your hands down in that pile of ash, Mm -hmm you would get hurt burn yourself burn your hands severely because underneath all that white ash is our embers that have been made through the fires of, of hours and hours of fires these coals that are incredibly hot and they will live down there underneath that ash for a long time so long that you could actually go days you could even have rain the rain doesn't penetrate the ash all the way through. Mm-hmm. It just kind of turns the ash and kind of into a little bit of a hard, hard crust, and protecting the embers. Mm-hmm. Those embers will last quite a while down there. So long that a few days can pass, and you can take a, a stick and poke it right down into that ash, and you stick it down in there far enough before you notice it's smoking. And remember this: where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. That's the fire that people see. It's the fire that inspires people. Don't be afraid of being on
1: fire. Oh, people need it so much right now because there's there's so much negativity. There's so much, oh, I can't do anything. Right. Yeah, and I think we just need to Mm -hmm. be encouragers. We need to be uplifting. We need to, if you have anything, just keep going. Don't feel like you can't do something. You can. You can do it. There's plenty of other people to help you and support you. Yes. Man, you could research anything on the internet and find how to do something step by step.
0: You- yes, I mean I've been listening to my daughter. She's uh, you know she bought a house earlier this year in St. Paul. First thing she did was just rip her kitchen apart. You, finally, you got you got a house of your own and a place to cook some meals would you tear your kitchen apart. And well, she just started YouTube and all the different things that had to be done to her kitchen to bring it back mm-hmm. to a contemporary, you know, look that she had seen in her mind's eye, and she just started YouTube, and pretty soon, you know, she's got new cupboards up, she's got new, I mean, she's got new, you know, everything, and you're just like, what? What in the world? I mean, it had to look bad before it could look good. She had to tear things down, you know, right. the, the, the roof. I helped her take down the, the ceiling in there, and so she could put up a new ceiling, and... It was just amazing. Yeah, but, but yes, today we live in a day when the information is there as to how to do, get something done. Don't give up. Don't fall for the, I don't know how to do it. Right. If you don't know how to do it, then... Yeah, research it. Research it. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask people for help. If you got a vision, yes. ask somebody to help you. Chances are they don't have a vision. Mm-hmm. Chances are, they're working. They're just working and living their life. And they're looking for somebody with vision that they can help, that they can be a part of. People want to join people who are on fire. They want to be on fire too. Now, as we're talking about this, I think back to when I was a child and the little visions that I had of doing things. One of the first visions I remember having was that of putting together a garden. And I got my first pack of seeds. It cost me a penny. I got this penny pack of seeds. It was a surprise packet. And I remember getting this idea about having my own garden and getting enough food to be able to eat and feed the family. I was young. I mean, we're talking Mm pre-kindergarten. But as I got older, I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 16. And it wasn't long before, as a young Christian, I remember getting one of my first visions. My first vision was to to do a, a ministry group to have a ministry band, music, skits, people traveling, sharing our testimonies, telling stories about God. And I remember having that, getting this vision, gather. I remember gathering together a group of my friends, right, getting them together. And it was 12 of us shared the vision with them. Couldn't be more excited. Couldn't, I couldn't imagine when I shared that that they would not hop right on board and just be so there and just couldn't wait to do it. And we walked away that night and there were six of us left. Mm. There were six of us. Six walked away, of which one of them couldn't be more discouraging, especially one of them. Just, this won't work. Ricky, (laughs) this will never work. How do you expect to? I mean, the questions and the question, how do you and this won't work? And I'm like, whoa. wasn't expecting that. This happens. Just be aware that if you're a person who has a vision from God, you have an idea, and then you start to put together a plan. Just do not be surprised if someone close to you poo-poo's it. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Poo-poo.
1: Yes.
0: If somebody, you know, poo it. <laughs> yeah, know, just
1: know. wants to quench that fire. Quench that
0: fire. Yeah. They want to take what embers are left, mm-hmm. or what what fire is burning, and just. Psh, Throw a big old bucket of water on it right. and go, tsh. I mean, that's because that's how it, a, bl- a wet blanket. Right. You, and there's
1: been many a story where people of learnedness, yeah. may, even a mentor, might discourage you. Yeah. And that person said, no, I'm going to keep going. And later that mentor has to come back and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Even if it's, it's a mentor, if you want to do something, My mind is
0: just flooded now with stories that people have told me over the years, examples of people with vision to do crazy, wild things for God. Yeah. People that were close to them, that knew them, who had the opportunity to be probably their greatest supporter. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in encouraging words and in finance and in facilitating the move that direction that they're having a vision for. And that person becomes the biggest wet blanket right. that that person knows. But as time goes on, the person lives out the dream. Yes. Years go by, and I mean it can be years, a decade can go by, and that wet blanket is dried out Yeah, and comes back around and is there to give warmth of support that is needed.
1: To me, what could be cool about that type of scenario is if your closest person that you are kind of expecting support from doesn't give it to you, then you're not relying on this person, right? Right. Now you have to rely on God. Deeper. Even deeper. And when the support does come in from most likely an unexpected source, you know it came from God. And that even will confirm your vision more. So when you're a believer and God is in it, you don't ever have to be discouraged because God is... Everything. He's the provider. He has everything under control. You just have to wait on his timing. Be faithful. Keep moving forward. Don't get discouraged. Just trust God with all your heart.
0: So where in the Bible does it say, be thou discouraged,
1: my (laughs) child? Nowhere. It says, don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious.
0: Be encouraged. Be encouraged and of what? Good cheer. What does no fret mean? Well, if you're... A guitar player, you, you, oh. you have frets on your guitar, but you also can have a fretless guitar. What does no fret mean?
1: It means don't fret. <laughs> what does don't worry mean? Don't
0: worry. Don't worry. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this <laughs> concludes the podcast of Vision with a Radical Life.